Welcome to STEM Unplugged, a monthly podcast designed to help you learn about STEM initiatives and to help advance STEM awareness. Now here's your host, Kelly Green. Thanks for getting connected for this episode of STEM Unplugged. I am your host, Kelly Green, the Chief Operating Officer of SciTech Institute, a collaborative nonprofit organization making STEM connections in Arizona and beyond. My team member, Claire Conway, is also on with us tonight to discuss MedTech in Arizona. She is working with Casey Fankhauser and the team to build the Arizona STEM ecosystem, one hub at a time. Tonight, we're excited to have Joan on with us to share her knowledge of the bioscience and medical technology industry. As president and CEO of AZ Bio and a member of the AZ Bio Board of Directors, Joan works on behalf of the Arizona Bioscience and Medical Technology Industry to support the growth of the industry, its members, and our community on the local and national level. Thank you so much for joining us on STEM Unplugged, Joan. Would you please like to tell our listeners a little bit about your role as president and CEO of AZ Bio? I'm just the chief cheerleader for the state of Arizona when it comes to all things health and med tech. So when we look at Arizona, um, many of us look at the beautiful things in our state and the thriving entrepreneurial community and all of the exotic Um, ideas that are coming out every day. I get a front row seat. Mm -hmm. I get to see how they are developing new treatments, new tests, new cures that are going to make life better for people in Arizona and all around the world. And so my job is to work with all of those innovators, researchers, policymakers, and workers to ensure that we have the best environment so that the amazing things can happen every day. How's that for a cool job? I love it. <laughs> I was going to say that's an incredible opportunity, right? And, you know, we're just honored to have you on the show tonight. And let's, you know, get started and celebrate some of those things that are happening here in Arizona. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm curious, you shared a little bit about sort of med tech now and all these amazing opportunities that are out there. Um, but what did med tech? What did the medtech industry look like in Arizona, say, 20 years ago compared to what it is now? Well, it was completely different. So just as technology and the things that we can do have changed dramatically in 20 years, so has the face of Arizona's STEM ecosystem, its medtech ecosystem, and its biotech ecosystem. So, you know, one of the things that's important is to kind of understand what those things are. Absolutely. I was just going to say, well, tell us a little bit more what that looks like. Let's kind of break them apart, right? So life science Mm -hmm. is everything that involves life. So bio is life. So if it's alive, it was alive or it keeps things alive. It's us. Okay. So that spans a broad area. That's agriculture. Mm -hmm. That's energy because energy comes from the, from, from life science. Um, I mean, even fossil fuels were living things at one time. And so as we start to look at that, it's so broad. And so then we bring it in and we break it into pieces. So you have pharma, right? So drugs. Think of drugs like chemistry. You take one chemical compound, you combine it with another chemical compound, you always get the same thing. When you have a biologic or biotech, that's using living things. So that's where we're taking proteins and and different parts of 
living things and then creating from that new medicines that can help us as living things. Then you have the whole wide range of health information technologies. And that can be everything from your watch that is monitoring your bio statistics all the way up to um, microcircuits that are inside of a pacemaker that's managing how your heart beats. So there's this broad range of health technologies. And then on top of it all, there's the things that are coming next because it's gotten so complicated that the human mind can't get their hands around it. And so let's think of it this way. So it used to be there we had one cancer, one disease. It was called cancer. Mm-hmm. And then it expanded to about 10 diseases that were skin cancer or liver cancer or pancreas cancer tied to an organ in the body. Today, as we're learning more about the, the genomic basis of cancers, there are now over 200 cancers. Mm. And then each cancer has a subtype. And when you start to look at all the treatments, as my friend Spiro Musa says at Systems Oncology, it's more than the stars in the universe. Mm. So now artificial intelligence and all of the data science is becoming integrated into the life sciences, into medtech, into biotech, into health IT, because we're going to need computers to help us look at all of those possible combinations. So it's a very, very broad field, all designed to be very personal and help one person at a time. I think that's pretty incredible. Uh, I actually have my siblings are cancer survivors and thinking about when my sister was diagnosed when I was a seventh grader and, you know, just in the advancing technology that was able to help keep her, a young 20-year-old with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma alive at the time and the surgeries that took place to where she is now as a survivor and the treatments that are monitoring all of her bio, you know, all of her needs and Mm -hmm. to keep her active and engaged. I think that's an incredible personal tie to that 20-year gap, but also kind of thinking about, well, what does that look like in our future? And, you know, we all watch the movies and we all think about, at least I do, and I think, oh my gosh, this is crazy and, you know, chips in the body. And (laughs) um, if you think about the advancements in what we were able to do 20 years ago, but what are we going to do in 20 years? I'm wondering if you have any you know, secrets or insights you'd like to give us? <laughs> secrets or insights. Okay. So, so let's, let's use the example of your family. 40 years ago, if you got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, you would die. Right. 20 years ago, we came up with some of the earliest drugs that successfully treat that as well as combinations with radiation, surgery, et cetera. Yep. She did both. Lost all of her hair. It was crazy. Crazy. Yep. Today, because of what we call precision medicine, we have the ability to test a patient, look at their genomic background, and determine what the best possible treatment is. So when your sister was going through her journey, basically our solution was to take everything that we knew in the toolbox and throw it at the patient and hope that something would work. Mm -hmm. Today, we know that that can actually hurt the patient because it can be financially toxic. 
It can be physically toxic. And some of the treatments will work for one patient and not work for another. And so by looking at the genomic information, at the biomarkers, we can determine what's the best treatment. And more importantly, is that treatment working? Because sometimes it'll work in the beginning and then it'll stop working. And so um, a really wonderful thing happened last Friday. Can I tell you about it? Oh, please. Tell us. Tell us. So, So one of the challenges is that with this new science, patients rely on their insurance companies to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Insurance companies don't like to pay for new science. <laughs> right. They don't, right? They're, they're afraid that, you know, everything's getting thrown at them. Their job is to keep the cost of insurance as low as possible. And so they say, no, we're not going to pay for that. Well, if you're a patient or the family with a patient going through one of the scariest diagnoses that you can get, right? You have a very dangerous disease or you have a chronic disease like Crohn's disease or diabetes and your doctor says you need this test so we can make sure we're treating you the right way. Mm -hmm. And if your insurance company says no, if you can't afford that test, you don't get it and your doctor doesn't get that information. And we in Arizona just thought that's wrong. Yeah. So House Bill 2144 was signed into law by Governor Ducey last Friday. That's amazing. Congratulations. And that law says that if the FDA has approved the test or the scientific literature supports use of the test and the doctor says you need the test, your insurance company has to pay for it. That's amazing. I think that's going to make such a huge impact. So when we look at, you know, how does that impact going forward, Mm -hmm. that means that patients in Arizona will be able to get the right information to to manage their disease so that their doctor can work with them to get the best outcome as quickly as possible. Because with some of these diseases, the further they progress, the less likely we are that we're going to be successful. I think that's that's a really cool point of... Arizona's industry too, right? This is a pretty powerful med tech area that has a lot of thriving organizations and businesses doing a lot of incredible research that mm-hmm. I think, you know, I know with the Cancer Treatment Centers for America that we have, a, you know, here in Goodyear, definitely visited with my sister, but then also Mayo. I, there, I know that there's a lot going on, even Phoenix Children's, that they're doing a lot of incredible work to fight mm-hmm. faster. So I think that just for the future, even in the next year or two, that means many more lives saved by, you know, the med tech community. So I think that's incredible. So I, I know you, I kind of cut you off there. I don't know if you had another no, point. No, it's but okay. That's just so moving so, and exciting. So think about the path that we go along in developing these new innovations. Because we're, we're here to talk about the innovations and the jobs and the right. opportunities. <laughs> but, but we never forget that the reason the industry exists is to help people. Absolutely. And we focus on the word people versus patient because when you have an illness, it affects everyone in the family, not just the person whose cells have gone haywire or whose organs not working right. And so it's about people and how do we help people? And so when we step back on that innovator's journey, because this is all this show is all about STEM and innovation. So there's a continuum from discovery to development 
the delivery. So we call that the, the three Ds. Mm-hmm. And so discovery, that's where the researchers at our universities are asking what if questions. What if this will change how we do that? And a lot of times when they ask that what if question, what they're looking for, they don't get the answer, but they find something else. And so, so this discovery process is just looking very broadly and then very narrowly into what if questions. So when we find something, when we say what if, that's a discovery. A discovery is not an innovation. Because it's not an innovation until it's, we're, it's causing us to do things differently and it's making life better. And so the next phase is development. So universities do not develop things. Researchers, for the most part, do not develop things. They find things. They fine-tune things. And then it takes a company, whether it's a little company or a great big company mm-hmm. or a combination of those, to develop what we discovered and turn it into something useful as a product or service. And then once they have gotten it to where they think it's the end game, then it has to go through the entire regulatory and clinical trials process before it can be really marketed and manufactured. And then it has to go through the payers process to make sure that somebody's going to pay for it so the patient can get it. So it's a very complex process, but it also creates all kinds of STEM opportunities for workers today and workers in the future. And then the last step is delivery. That's the healthcare professionals that are dealing with the people that need it when they need it. Absolutely. And I think it's just so exciting to think about how many, like you talked about, how many steps along the way have those opportunities for people who are interested in maybe following a career in med tech. You know, it's not just you know, a research in a lab, or it's not just development with a company. You know, there are so many different pieces, um, even down to policy and making sure people have access to these new innovations. And it sounds like there are just so many opportunities in Arizona for those med tech careers. Uh, Do you see those growing more in the next few years? Yes. As a matter of fact, you know, one of our biggest challenges now is having enough people. And I think that's that's impacting every industry, right? Right now we're at, at zero unemployment relatively um, and there's all this demand. But I want to you know, clarify one thing that I think is really important for your listeners. And you know, a lot of people will say, I think this is so exciting, but I don't want to go to medical school and, and you know, be a doctor and, and all of that study and, and then work. And and I don't want a PhD, can't afford it, I'm afraid of it, I'm not Mm. smart enough for it, which of course, that's not true. And you're not not smart enough, but you can have that in your head. Right. You know, one of the things people don't realize is that people that have PhDs and doctoral degrees are less than 10% of the life science industry. And a large portion are people that have associate degrees or even high school certificate at high school training and a certificate to help them specialize in a certain part of that healthcare ecosystem. And so the nice thing is, is that life science jobs, biotech, med tech, health tech, those jobs pay a lot better than the average job in Arizona. 
And so getting involved and doing the foundational work, you know, when I talk to students and I love talking to the students, you know, it's the, the younger, the better, getting them excited about the things that they can do, explaining to them that it is important to learn the science stuff and the math stuff and, and, and please the English stuff so you can communicate, <laughs> you know, and art, you know, and music. Because art and music train your brain to think differently and to explore things. And so you may not be ready to be doing scientific experiments when you're six years old, but learning the basics of music or the basics of art and construction may help create a foundation for you that someday you decide you want to be an engineer or a doctor, or a scientist, or the person that asked that what-if question. Absolutely. I think you kind of hit on my next question. It was going to be about uh, misconceptions that you'd like to address about med tech. And I'm a huge proponent of starting early because, you know, students of an early age, even before they enter, you know, organized school classrooms, curiosity is amazing for innovation. And, you know, asking that question, what if or how does where is that, <laughs> are great ways for, you know, new developments. But I, I do think, you know, as students get older, they do start to say, well, I'm not sure I can. And then many of us know, even adults, we're like, mm, are you sure you want me? So I think that's an incredible um, insight to all the opportunities that are here in Arizona, because you don't have to be a graduating high school senior to say, what do I want to do when I grow up? You could be That's graduating right. from college or you could be getting out of the military or changing your career choice or working at Starbucks and saying, you know what, I could do something different. So I think letting people know that there are opportunities in med tech, no matter who you are and what your skill set is, there's probably something for you. But let's talk about those misconceptions. Do you have any that you'd like to address tonight that I know you kind of hit a couple, but... So, so the big one is that every job in the life sciences is science. Mm. It's not. Mm. Here's a little tidbit. So, I'm the voice of the life science community. I get to work with all the amazing researchers and get involved in all of the amazing science. I had my last science class in seventh grade. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> which means that um, most of your listeners were born after I had my last science class. <laughs> <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that I stopped learning. Right. And so in my case, um, I had a very nice career. I, I studied economics. I went to college to be an economist. Um, and in my senior year of college, I learned something that just absolutely terrified me, which is that economists are always wrong. <laughs> I don't like to be wrong. I don't either. <laughs> Let's be right? honest. <laughs> um, but the reality is, is that if you are, when you're an economist, you do models. And so you model how the world is going to beha behave. And then you tell them. And the minute that you tell them, they change their behavior. And then your <laughs> model doesn't work. And you're wrong. <laughs> and so... As my husband tells, would say, yeah, she, she, no, she does not like to be wrong. <laughs> so, so I went into banking 
And then I went into the tech industry and I got to work at this little company called Hamilton Abnet, which grew and grew and grew and grew. And today is the largest publicly traded company in Arizona, Abnet Inc. And I, I grew up there. I was there for 20 years and I got to learn all different things, technology, even though I'd never had an engineering class. Mm -hmm. And then because I had made some good investments when technology was emerging. I had the flexibility to retire the first time um, when I was, again, I think probably about the time Claire was born. Um, (laughs) I'm a three-time loser at retirement. I just don't do it very well. Same here. I I did it as well. (laughs) Yeah, I just can't do it. But it gave me the ability to become an investor. And so I got to start investing in technologies and in the life sciences. And so then I had to learn about it. And so I started learning about it. And then I had the opportunity to get involved with AZ Bio and and be part of, of the team that's trying to make Arizona a top 10 bioscience state. We're not there yet, but we're going to get there. And as we were doing this, then I had to start learning again. Well, I got, I mean, think of my teacher's. I got to learn from people like Jeffrey Trent and Dan Von Hoff and Michael Behrens and Randy Schulhauser at Medtronic, who has, you know, umpteen patents on how the heart works, you know, and there are so many amazing people here in Arizona that were my teachers and they were so patient with me and helped me understand so that I can move forward. And now it's my job to work with other people, to help them understand so they can move forward. Because it's that passing along of that torch, that mentoring, that development, that sharing of ideas. Science is moving so fast, nobody can keep up with it. So we all have to help each other. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think you know, that's one thing we continue to talk about even just in our small staff it's moving quickly. What else do we need to share? How do we get other organizations to collaborate? And I guess maybe that's one question. How do we get others engaged in AZ Bio? Are there certain recruitment, um, you know, are certain things that you're hoping to do? Any goals that you're hoping to achieve in the upcoming year? So so one of the things that we've been working on, um, and it became very challenging, especially during the pandemic, because how do you tell your story? Right. (laughs) We have something that's coming up this September called Arizona Bioscience Week. So it's an entire week in Phoenix focused on the biosciences. And if you go to the AZ Bio website, azbio.org, and then under the events tab, you'll see Arizona Bioscience Week. Click on it. You'll see an entire week of stuff. And so there are events for women. There are events for students. There's the AZ Bio Awards. There's our patient event, Voice of the Patient, on that Friday where the only people allowed on stage to talk are patients. I love it. (laughs) You know, and all of these things are going on. So there's lots of ways to engage. But during the pandemic, we couldn't do that. Right. And so we Zoomed like everybody Zooms, but you can only Zoom so much. And so I went and said, well, let's see, how can we do this? We're the innovation group. How do we innovate? So I talked to my friends at Scripps and at ABC, and they worked with us, 
And I spent my 60th birthday doing the final edits on my first ever full-length television special. That's amazing. And Happy we, belated birthday. <laughs> yeah, it's a way to, way to celebrate your birthday. Um, and we literally um, converted the AZ Bio Awards, all the videos, all of the excitement as a full-length television special. Wow. And we had some time to plan it, right? And um, we aired it in prime time on CW61 and then in late night on ABC in 2020. And we reached more people just in the late night on ABC yeah. in 2020 than we had had at every AZ Bio Awards in the history of the organization. Oh, my goodness. And we're going on 20 years. Wow. So we were like, oh, that was a great learning experience. People loved it. We reached a lot more people. And I'll never have to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about learning something new, right? (laughs) And then in 2021, three weeks before we were supposed to have all the live events, COVID spiked again in Arizona. And we had to do the whole thing, produce a whole new television program in three weeks. Wow. Wow. So <laughs> kudos. So if so if you want to see what those turned out like when you're on that AZBio website at azbio.org under the events tab you'll see celebrating life of science 2020 and 2021. If you want to know what's going on in the life sciences in STEM, watch those TV specials. There are so many cool things going on. And here's one. So you said what's the future look like? Can you imagine what it would be like if we didn't treat cancer? We eradicated it mm. like we did smallpox. Mm. There was no more cancer. Now, that would be disruptive. Yeah. <laughs> and Absolutely. it would be great for patients. Well, there is a company on the bioscience campus at 850 PBC right now that is working on a technology designed to eradicate cancer. Wow. So you wouldn't get it in the first place. Wow. Okay. Incredible. That's the future. Now, Mother Nature's tricky, as we have all learned over the last two and a half years. Right. So she may come up with something else, (laughs) but every time we can knock one off, we're one more in the wind column. And that's what you see here in Arizona. We haven't figured out, for instance, what causes diabetes. We don't, we don't know why people get diabetes. Mm-hmm. We know what some of the triggers are, especially with type 2 diabetes, which is, you know, healthy behaviors or lack of healthy behaviors. But type 1 diabetes, we really don't know why. And so we have to innovate to help the people until we can figure out why and stop it. Yeah. And that's where you see really cool innovative technologies like Dexcom, Dexcom and Medtronic where we have medical devices that help patients manage their insulin levels so that they can lead healthy, productive lives, even though they have this particular disease. We have medical technologies that that make life better for patients. We have medical technologies like, um, you know, artificial knees and artificial joints and back supports and pain management and all kinds of things happening in Arizona to make life better until we can figure out how to stop those things from happening in the first place, because that's the ultimate goal. I love that. 
I think, Other questions? Yeah, I think Claire has one more question she wanted to ask. Yeah, so my last question, you talked a little bit about sort of teaching and mentorship, mm-hmm. um, but I'm wondering sort of what ways are out there to encourage educators to share about uh, med tech opportunities with students and how can we get med tech professionals connected with those educators to share their resources and you know share their story with students in the classroom? So one of the things, and, and we're very lucky in the Biosense, we have some amazing teachers um, that are working at all levels, you know, within our ecosystem. And they all get together and then they work with us. So they'll reach out to me and say, Joan, we need this. Mm-hmm. And so then I have to try and find it for them. One of the things that we did is the older students, the high school students, and then on to the university students, how do they make connections with the life science leaders? You know, mm-hmm. How are they going to make those connections? And so in 2011, we had the first student discovery zone. So that is where students from across the state, from high school, community college, university, submit their poster ideas to us. And then they um, do a little video and then it gets judged by real scientists, real innovators. And then they get invited to be at the AZ Bio Awards with their poster during the cocktail party. And all of the leaders come and talk to them because they're fascinated by what the young people are doing. So we've had over a thousand students go through that program. Now, cool story. The very first year, we had a student. Um, she had just lost her grandpa to cancer, or not to, not cancer, to heart disease. And she was telling her story, and I actually still have it on tape. And that night, she met Dr. Mars Slepian, who's at the University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. He mentored her throughout her education at the U of A. Um, she wanted to do something to help prevent the heart disease that her grandpa died of. And today she is at the FDA approving cardiac devices. That's amazing. Right. And it started when she met her mentor in the student discovery zone. Yeah. So when you're on the AZ bio website, okay. And you go and you'll see AZ bio awards. There's a student discovery zone tab on the AZ bio awards website and students can submit their posters right now. And 11 years ago, we didn't have prizes other than pride. Right. <laughs> Today, we have scholarship prizes. Oh, very nice. And the top scholarship prizes are $1,000. Oh, my goodness. Oh. So it's really important that all those students that are doing their science projects hold on to their posters and go and apply. When does it close? Do you have a date, deadline? So, so for the students, it's going to close on September 6th. Okay. Because the poster exhibits will be on the 28th of September. And we're going to have, we anticipate, we're going to have a lot of students this year. The researchers and industry people need to do all the judging ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, they have to get them in by September 6th. And I've been talking to our high school student teachers network and the university networks and saying, hey, guys, get the word out. get Get them signed up. But now is the time. That's awesome. The other thing is, is if there's an educator that you really think is amazing in the life sciences, you can nominate him or her 
for an AZ Bio Award for Bioscience Educator of the Year. Oh. And those applications are open between now and June 30th, and they're also available on the Nominate pad, tab on the AZ Bio website. Yeah, I definitely think that's a great thing for us to share, Claire. I know we've got a few in our network that we're looking to partner with. There's an ASU project that in the Biosense new platform and industry collaboration tools that they're working on. So I love that. Mm -hmm. We can definitely share that out and make sure it's linked on, uh, definitely on this podcast, but in additional opportunities. So it's really easy. azbioawards.com. And that's where you can nominate and that's where students can apply. I love it. All right. So my final question goes back to that uh, eighth grade you. (laughs) After your (laughs) final science class in the next year, (laughs) you weren't even thinking about it. Um, What would you say to encourage them to consider anything in med tech as a career pathway? What would you say to your eighth grade self? My eighth grade self. So my eighth grade self um, stopped taking science classes, stopped taking the physical sciences um, so I could take economics class, Mm -hmm. which is also a STEM Mm -hmm. career. And economics is integral into every innovation area. Because you have to figure out not just can you build it, but can you can people afford it? Mm-hmm. Can pe- and can you afford to make it? And will people pay for it? And what will they pay? It's really nice so, to highlight so, the M in STEM, isn't it? The math. Yeah. <laughs> I love it's, that. Well, it's the math. It's engineering. It's in economics, yeah. it's in economics. It's math. It's computer science. Yeah. It's social mm-hmm. science because you have to understand behavior. There's all kinds of pieces to it. So what I would say to students is to think of what's going forward as all of the different pieces in a puzzle that are going to build a picture of what your future looks like. Mm. And so you want to have all of the pieces in the puzzle. And I remember, you know, sitting in class and saying, oh, God, why am I taking calculus? Why (laughs) am I taking algebra? Why do I need geometry? I had to study geology. Why, why are they making me do this? But here's the thing. Each of those things helped me figure things out. Mm-hmm. And as we go forward, the jobs that we have today are not the jobs that are going to be there when your sixth grader gets to the workforce. Mm-hmm. Everything's changing too fast. And so... As we go forward, you want to get the foundation in all of those things. Get a little bit, a little taste to see what you like. And then as you go forward, there's going to be something that captures your imagination. And then you can start looking at how can I learn more about that and how can I use it? Great But the biggest thing is just keep asking how, why, and when. And the when is when you're ready to make that change. At the end of the day, there will be so many opportunities for you. And keep in mind, you don't have to be in the sciences to be a STEM success story. You can be in marketing. You can be in human resources. We need people to help us with our talent. You can be in quality control helping to make sure that the stuff is safe. You can be part of the network that educates and works with patients and is caring and develops and delivers things that make life better for people. And 
there's no more rewarding career than that. Totally agree. So to our listeners out there, we encourage you to get involved in the STEM community. Maybe you're an industry professional seeking a way to make an impact on the lives of others, but need an opportunity to share your experiences and events. Maybe you're a student searching for a mentor or a pathway into STEM. Maybe you're a community collaborator hoping to meet the right people to help make a SciTech Festival event happen. We want to help you get connected. So we would love for you to share your final thoughts in one way for listeners to find out how, you know, we already know your website, but one way they can get in contact with you or find out more, Joan. So I'm probably one of the easiest people to find in the state. <laughs> and because I have a long name, I have a short email address, nice. which is jkw at azbio. Dot org. So that's J-K-W at A-Z-Bio.org. And so reach out to me. Everybody does. And um, we can help get you connected. But more importantly, take a look around you. And if you really want to know what's going on in the biosciences, when you shoot that email over, say, would you sign me up for the In The Loop newsletter? And then I will send you a newsletter every Monday morning telling you what's new. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of STEM Unplugged, exploring med tech in Arizona. We appreciate all of our listeners and we appreciate you for being a guest on our show. If any of you would like more information on ways to volunteer or support in organizing an event, let us know. You can check out our website, scitechinstitute.org, and complete the Get Involved form. A quick shout out to all of the educators, students, families, and community members Closing in on the final days of our school year, we hope that you celebrate the summer, but maybe look into signing up for those events on the AZ Bio website. Thank you so much for listening. This is your host, Kelly Green, and we would be glad to discuss how you can get connected. Thank you for joining us for this episode of STEM Unplugged. We encourage you to get involved in the STEM community and stay connected at SciTechInstitute.org.